thoughts are all against me I'm ready to go Burning it down They ain't noticed Till the temperature rose Bless the energy Then we erupt in a blaze Mama save us I swear the baby's lately crazy Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster And you're listening to Sorceress A weekly podcast of awesome Serialized urban fantasy fiction Written by amazing authors Performed for you by professional narrators And brought to you by SerialAudio.com It's totally binge-worthy Chapter 18 Why would I need to talk to you? Israel said to Jordan Screed. From what I see, talking isn't your go-to option. Israel took slow, careful steps to one side as he spoke, positioning himself so he could see both Jordan and Carmine. He could hear the cars on the nearby interstate and wondered if he could get to it if he needed to. The tang of blood and cordite filled his nostrils. One of them made his skin tingle. He ignored that and focused on the two men. Jordan looked down and said, What, these guys? They don't matter. They were people, Israel said. They mattered. Jordan shook his head and waved one of the guns dismissively. You're new to this whole awakened thing, so I can see why you'd think that. Besides, do you have any idea what the guys these grunts work for are planning for you? Israel, my friend, it would have been a full-on dissection. Even among awakened, you're unique. There isn't a government on Earth that wouldn't want to know what makes you tick. Oh, so we're friends now? You said we met in Chicago. Why is it that I don't remember that? Israel scanned the parking lot, checking for the best route away from the brothers. Well, see, that's the thing. We sort of crashed your celebration at that bar. Well, technically, I guess I did. Carmine's not really what you'd call a people person. Anyway, I joined you and your buddies, great group, by the way, and I slipped a little something into one of your vodka Collins, a little something to make you more compliant. Israel's eyes slowed their scan of the parking lot and came to rest on Jordan. You drugged me? You're the one who took me to California, to the place where this happened? He made a sharp gesture at himself. No, I drugged you and took you to a progeny transport plane at O'Hare International. I had no idea where you were headed after that. We're strictly acquisitions agents. You're a goddamned kidnapper. Do you have any idea what happened to me? Jordan half smiled. Oh, yeah, I know. We... He gestured toward Carmine. No. Israel thought about what he'd just seen. He saw the crushed men at Carmine's feet and the three at Jordan's, all with two identical and perfectly placed bullet holes in their foreheads. Paragons. You're paragons, he said. Good. They told you about that. Yeah, we are. We're like you, three of a kind. This is really kind of historic when you think about it. Jordan, Carmine said, we're on the clock. Right, we are. I tend to ramble. Bottom line, long story short, Israel, we need you to come with us. 
A car's out front. Excuse me? Israel said. Hey, look, Jordan said. Left to me, I'd just as soon trank you and avoid all awkward conversations. Thing is, drugs only work on people with a pulse, no offense intended. Oh, none taken, Israel said with a relaxed smile and clenched fists. Why the hell do I need to come with you? You work for the guys who were planning to cut me open in the first place. The seer wants to see you, Carmine said. Jordan's face flushed and he said, Damn it, Carmine, you want to just give him the address while you're at it? Carmine shrugged. What's it matter if he knows about the seer? We've got him. He's coming with us no matter what. The hell I am, Israel said. The smile on Carmine's face came up like a black sun rising. I'm so fucking glad you said that. The big man took a step toward Israel. Carmine, Jordan shouted. No time for that, little brother. Jordan leveled his pistols at Israel. Be reasonable, Israel. This doesn't have to hurt. Our employer can offer you some amazing things. There's a new world coming, and we can be its kings. Israel waved a finger at Jordan. No, no, no. I saw what your employer had to offer people at Oceanside. I'll pass. As for your guns, put them away. You know they won't stop me. Besides that, I recently realized why people keep coming at me with tasers. Bullets leave messes, and the messes my body leaves behind could really be a problem if they get into the wrong place. You know, like the water table or maybe a stray dog. Jordan held his position for just a second, and then his hands flashed to the small of his back and the pistols were gone, holstered somewhere Israel couldn't see. It happened so fast he had barely seen the man move. You're right, Jordan said. I should use a taser. Lightning quick, he rolled forward and came up running toward Israel's left with a dead DGRI agent's taser in each hand. From his right, Israel heard Carmine rushing toward him with a growl of feral joy and bloodlust. Fortunately, Israel was a lot faster than he used to be as well. He sprinted forward as they came toward him and heard the pop and sizzle of one of the tasers discharging, but missing him completely. He cut hard to the right and heard the second one pop off, followed closely by a frustrated scream from Jordan as the steel darts hit empty air. Israel knew the weapons only fired once before needing to be reloaded, but there were three more loaded on the ground and no telling how many spare cartridges on the dead agents. It was time to go. The old smokestack loomed up in front of him and Israel could see a route past it and back onto Martin Luther King Drive. He veered toward it and poured on the speed. A flying shadow suddenly grew on his right, and something hit him hard enough to knock him from his feet and pile him up at the base of the smokestack. He got his feet under him almost as soon as he hit the ground and saw the projectile that had taken him down. It was one of the slain DGRI agents, his head a flat mess of leaking fluids. Israel looked up and saw Carmine rushing toward him and realized that the tattooed bastard had actually thrown a dead man at him. Israel Trent had never been a fighter. He'd grown up in a very average, middle-class neighborhood. It hadn't been the best, but it had also been a long way from the worst. With the exception of some shoving matches on the basketball court, he'd always managed to think or talk his way out of any trouble he found himself in. 
Something about these men, though, and the way they so casually disregarded other people triggered something inside him. He glared up at the onrushing carmine with anger bubbling through him like poison. He could have kept running for the street. Instead, he surged from his kneeling position and met the larger man at a full run. They collided like a pair of NFL linemen. Carmine was larger but seemed shocked at Israel's sudden assault and was unprepared when they impacted. Israel hit him low and rose up with a mighty push at the last second, just as he had back in the field outside Silver Sky, and sent the big man flying. Carmine rolled through the air and hit the windshield of the damaged SUV face first. The weight of his big body finished off the reinforced glass and shoved it and him into the vehicle's cockpit. The big man struggled to ride himself and get out of the car. A flash of movement caught his eye and Israel sidestepped quickly as Jordan snatched up another taser and fired it. Israel was fast, but one of the steel darts managed to stick in his shoulder. Fortunately, without the second dart to complete the circuit, there was no effect. Israel ripped it from his shoulder as he rushed the smaller screed brother. Israel was on him in a second. He tried to grab the smaller man, but instead just hugged empty space. Three quick impacts registered on his right side. He backhanded that direction and again connected with nothing. Jordan rolled in front of him and leapt straight up over Israel's head with his knees pulled to his chest. As he flew directly over Israel's head, Jordan extended both legs down hard and used Israel's shoulders as a fleshy springboard to launch himself into a double forward flip. He landed in a crouch a few feet away and looked back at Israel, a smug grin on his face. The impact had definitely dislocated Israel's left shoulder because he could feel the disconnection in the joint, and that arm wasn't moving correctly. There was no pain, though, and Israel took great pleasure in watching the smug expression on Jordan's face fall away when he realized Israel wasn't crumpled to the asphalt like he'd expected. He took advantage of the kneeling man's momentary confusion and stepped forward, kicking out at his head as hard as he could manage. Jordan flinched away, but the blow still partially connected and was hard enough to snap his head backwards. Israel was about to kick him a few more times just to make sure he stayed down when he heard metal snap and tear behind him. He spun and saw Carmine stepping out of the car. He'd ripped the car door from its hinges and was holding it like a giant mangled frisbee. Carmine stalked forward and said, Zombie motherfucker, let's see how tough you are when I tear your head off. Israel reached over with his right hand, grabbed his left bicep, and shoved his shoulder back into place with a dull, wet pop. He extended his restored left hand with a gesturing motion and said, Come and get it, bitch. He really hoped he sounded tough. The car door spun through the air toward Israel's head. He'd expected that, though, and ducked under it. Israel and Carmine rushed toward each other, but this time, the larger man didn't just come charging in. Just as they came into striking range, Carmine took a slightly angled step to the left with his right elbow extended. The hard joint caught Israel across the nose and then again in the muscle at the base of his neck when Carmine snapped it up and back down again hard enough to dent steel. Israel's sunglasses clattered to the asphalt and the world was once more too bright. Again, there was no pain, but the sheer force of the blow sent Israel staggering past Carmine. He spun back to face his attacker and found him right in front of him. Carmine's fist lashed out and smashed into Israel's face, staggering him again. 
He felt another blow and another, each one fracturing bone and pushing him further backwards. He needed room to move and a second to think. Israel took a fast step forward and shoved hard at Carmine, pushing the larger man backwards. Israel had one move that he knew. He'd learned it from one of his cop friends at a housewarming party years ago and hoped he could pull it off now. Carmine came forward again, his right fist lashed out toward Israel's face. Israel took a 45-degree step to his left while simultaneously using his right arm to deflect Carmine's blow down. Israel then brought his own right fist up as fast and as hard as he could underneath Carmine's jaw. The blow connected perfectly and lifted the big man two feet into the air and deposited him onto the asphalt flat on his back. Blood streamed from his lips and nose. Israel could smell it, almost taste it. His skin crawled with the hunger, like ants burrowing through every inch of his body. A low, throaty growl escaped him as the hunger came over him. He backed away from Carmine, away from the sweet scents of blood and warm flesh. Carmine had shaken off the blow and was rising to his feet. He touched his face and then stared wide-eyed at his bloody palm. I'm bleeding he said, though it sounded like he was talking with a golf ball in his mouth. You made me bleed. The blood seemed to call to Israel. Get away from me, he said in a voice he didn't quite recognize. I'm going to tear. Israel didn't hear the rest. There was a popping sound and his body suddenly spasmed all over. For the first time in a day or more, he felt pain, hot, intense, unrelenting. It vibrated through him with an electric sizzle, and he crumpled to the ground. Through a twitching haze, he saw Jordan standing a few feet away, with two thin wires trailing back to the taser in his hand. He couldn't move. He could barely hear or see. Carmine walked toward him with a piece of metal. It looked like something torn from one of the cars. Jordan stopped him and said something about bringing Israel in. Carmine wanted to take his head off, though, destroy him. That would destroy him. Israel struggled to get his muscles under control. The hunger seemed weaker now, but it was still there, waiting to take over. He tried to sit up, made it a small ways, but it was no use. Suddenly, Carmine was standing over him with a long length of metal in his hand, it looked heavy enough to crush his head to pulp. Roast in hell, you undead fuck, Carmine said, raising the weapon high. Then he simply wasn't there anymore. The space where he'd been was instantly filled with glaring sunlight and a somewhat petite female-shaped silhouette. Distant sirens wailed. You, Aaron Sims said, look like shit. Israel let her help him up. The hunger was aching in him, and he took a quick step away from her. Where did you come from? he asked. Long story, she said. I'll fill you in later. Seriously, man, you don't look good. You're kinda gray. Israel ignored her. Where's the guy who was on me? Aaron smiled. Wait for it. As if on cue, Israel heard a faint, persistent scream. As it grew louder, he realized it was coming from overhead. 
He looked up in time to see Carmine falling through the air just before he hit the hood of the undamaged SUV. The tattooed man bounced off the truck and landed face down on the asphalt. He didn't move after that. A second later, a long, heavy piece of metal clattered to the ground behind him. Despite the hunger gnawing at him, Israel stared wide-eyed at Aaron. Yeah, she said, it's kind of like that now. He was about to bombard her with questions when she suddenly bent down and picked something up. She held out a cell phone that was covered in a thick protective case. Is this yours? Israel shook his head. Could be his. Hang on to it. Aaron slipped it into a pocket. Clues and shit? Israel nodded. The sirens were getting closer. He could hear the rapid chopping of a helicopter just beneath the interstate sounds. Authorities are coming. We need to go. Aaron looked around and said, Are you sure? I don't hear. I'm sure, Israel interrupted. I can hear a lot better than I used to. We need to get gone. About that, Aaron said. I want to try something. I just don't know if it'll work, but I think it might. Maybe. Is this really the time? Oh, hell yes. The DGRI is full on coming for our asses. I caught a ride with Stone and his goons as far as the first roof they could drop me off on, so they're on the way too, but I'd rather you and me have a talk before we deal with them. This is the perfect time. She extended her hand to him and said, I need you to trust me, Izzy. His body ached with hunger. The scent of her flesh was like an early morning bakery to a starving man. Israel tightened his resolve and pushed the hunger aside. Not a problem, he said, taking her hand. Aaron smiled at him, and a few seconds later, they were gone. Chapter 19 Jordan's phone played the theme to Mission Impossible just as the jet's wheels lifted off from the Atlanta International Runway. He dropped the ice pack that he was holding against the side of his face and answered the phone with a quick tap. What? he said. What? Don't what me, Jordan. What the hell happened? Ricardo said. Oh, I'll tell you what happened, Jordan said. We had him tased and ready to bag when out of nowhere, and I literally mean out of fucking nowhere, Ricky. That Sims skank appears and touches me on the arm. The next thing I know, I'm falling into the middle of I-85 and dodging traffic. Who the hell was that, Ricky? Where was the seer on that one? What about the phage? Oh, I'm fine, thanks for asking. The phage is gone. By the time I got back to the site, he and the skank were in the wind and Carmine was a mess. I didn't think anything could bust him up like that after we were awakened. I barely got him out of there before the feds showed up. Is he all right? Jordan looked over at the couch where his brother was lying. The co-pilot was also a trained medic and had started an IV that was rapidly feeding fluids into Carmine's arm. Bone still showed through in some of the spots where his head had hit the ground, but fresh pink skin was just starting to appear over the wounds. He's healing, but his tattoos are going to need some work. He'll be pissed about that, Jordan said. Well, let's hear it for Faye DNA. Tell me about the phage. Strong, really strong, as strong as Carmine. He took a beating like it was nothing. He had full control of his faculties, too. No signs of insanity or predatory impulses at all. 
Honestly, I think he just wanted to get away from us, but we managed to piss him off enough to throw down. You talked to him? Oh, we had a lovely chat, Ricky. Wish you could have been there. Stow it, smartass. Seriously, you could pass this guy in the street and never know he was a debtor. Weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, well, the seer is disappointed. Well, maybe the seer should have given us a heads up about the girl. It doesn't work like that, Jordan. You know this. He doesn't control it. The dwellers between do. Jordan bit his tongue. Sometimes he forgot what a true believer Ricardo was. Regardless, they're gone again. What now? Jordan could almost hear the smile that crossed Ricardo's face. It's time, he said. Time for what? Jordan asked. We have gathered the appropriate number of sacrifices and they are currently subdued and being transported to the site the seer has chosen. Rejoice, brother, because in two days we will throw open the doors and let the true masters of this and all worlds walk it once more. Two days, Jordan said. That's... wow. Ricardo laughed. They truly are mighty if they can shut you up. How soon do you think before Carmine is back in fighting form? I'm not sure. This is the first time he's been hurt this bad. Say, twelve hours? That's just a guess. All right, then. We'll get him checked out on site. Where's that? Tiny little desert town called Letitia, Texas. I will email all the details. You guys should be back on the ground in a couple of hours. I'll make sure the transport is rigged so Carmine can stretch out for the ride. You guys need to be at your best. Recruiting you two and all the people you've collected has been building to this. We're going to rewrite history, Jordan. Bask in shadow, brother. Until darkness reigns, Jordan said before quickly ending the call. He dropped the phone and replaced the ice pack on his face. His neck was stiff, and the side of his head where Trent had kicked him throbbed. He healed faster than most people, but his tissues didn't regenerate at the same rate as Carmine's. Jordan had never envied any of his brother's abilities until that moment. He leaned back in the seat and closed his eyes. He wanted a drink, but didn't want to go through the aches and pains of getting one. Instead, he decided it would be better to just sit there and suffer. He had it coming, he figured. They'd gotten a little too full of themselves, a little too cocksure, and gone into the unknown assuming they would come out on top. It was a little understandable, he supposed. When Ricardo had come to them three years earlier, they were just a couple of small-time cons doing a nickel for armed robbery. At first, Jordan had thought Ricardo insane, but when he offered them a deal that would get them out and wipe their records that very day, it made Jordan believe in miracles. He shook his head at the memory. Life was some bizarre shit sometimes. When he'd learned about the bloodlines and awakenings and paragons, it had all seemed like something from one of the comic books he'd read when he was a kid. The first time he'd felt the power of his awakening, though, he had laughed and cried all at once. Since then, it had been get a target, snatch the target, deliver the target, and go live the high life on the progeny dime, Nobody could fight or get away from them. No one had even the slightest chance against them. It was the perfect gig. Until now. Until Israel Trent and Aaron Sims had come back into their lives. 
Carmine suddenly sat up with a short, angry scream. He looked around bewildered and then saw Jordan. What the hell, he said, the words slurred through a still healing jaw. Where are we? Where's Trent? Jordan repositioned the ice pack on his face. We're clean, he said. Trent's gone and we're in the air. Probably somewhere over Alabama by now. Lay down, dumbass, you're hurt. What happened? Carmine asked, laying back down. His breath whistled through regrowing teeth. Jordan filled him in on the reappearance of Aaron Sims, their narrow getaway, and the phone call from Ricardo. So the bitch did this to me? That hooker from Vegas? Anger radiated from Carmine's words. Well, I think it was a team effort. Trent did bloody you up pretty good. I swear to fucking God I'm going to tear them both apart. Do we know where they are? Not a clue. Don't worry, though. If they're with Sentry, we're bound to see them again. We'll get our shot. In the meantime, we've got an assignment. Carmine was a silent ball of frustration for a long while. Finally, he said, fine, whatever. Let's go mess with Texas. Chapter 20 191 Peachtree Tower was actually two 50-story towers connected by a more narrow series of floors between them. Each of the larger towers was crowned by a structure that reminded Aaron of something you might see in pictures of ancient Greece or Rome. She could never keep them straight. That's where she'd brought them after a short series of pulls to various rooftops. She figured it was damn near impossible to follow her when she moved like that, but she jumped around a little just to be safe. Israel seemed to take the experience well. He never showed any signs of getting sick or stumbling like she had the first few times. But he still looked bad. He was beaten up pretty badly. Torn lips and a dozen or more cuts on his face all slowly oozed a kind of thin fluid that looked more like dark red oil than blood. There was no swelling she could see, but his skin was a dark shade of gray and his eyes were shot through with black and red veins. When he looked at her, it was with a kind of hunger she was unaccustomed to. As soon as they had stopped in one of the peach tree tower crowns, he'd moved away and told her to keep her distance. She complied and asked what she could do. When he told her he needed food, specifically meat, She'd pulled down to the street and found the nearest restaurant. It turned out to be a New York-style deli, and she had walked in like she owned the place, found a metal tray filled with pastrami and a handful of kitchen towels, and then pulled back to the peach tree rooftop with her stolen goods in tow. Now she sat with her back to a marble column, watching as Israel shoved handfuls of deli meat into his mouth like a ravenous lion. As he ate, she watched the color return to his face and the smaller cuts begin sealing themselves right before her eyes. After a minute or two of this, he looked up at her with a far less intense gaze and said, Thank you. She shrugged. No big. Judging from this kitchen tray, he said, tapping the stainless steel pan, you didn't pay for this. She shrugged again. I don't have any cash on me and I was in a hurry. You just walked out with it? No, I didn't walk. Why would I ever do that? Israel shook his head as he chewed. I'll pay them back. 
Suit yourself, she said. He continued eating. She watched in silence. So, she said after a few minutes, you're dead now. What's that like? Who have you been talking to? He asked. Warburton, she told me what happened. That's gotta be a total mindfuck. Israel nodded and started cleaning his face with the dish towels. Yeah, I keep waiting to just freak out over it all, but I never do. That doesn't seem normal to me. I mean, before all this, I'd get pissed and throw pens if my editor shit on a story I'd sent him or if the bears played an extra crappy game or something. Now, though, everything is just cause and reaction. I can still feel things, but it's like my mind is insulated against extreme emotions. I don't get it. Aaron nodded. Does your junk still work? Israel paused for a second. Did you really just ask me that? Hey, properly working junk is important to a guy. Just saying. Seriously, all the things that have gone down in the last couple of days and that's where your mind goes? Aaron shrugged again. Just saying. Israel shook his head and gave her a laughing smile. No clue. I was too busy wandering around in the woods to give it much thought. I caught the last few seconds of that fight back there before the little asshole tased you and the big asshole started pounding on you. You knocked that guy off his feet and he wasn't small. I'm guessing there's an upside to all this. Israel filled her in on the changes he'd gone through. The strength, the speed, the endurance, and the way it caused the hunger to grow in him. He didn't talk about the deer or losing control of himself, though. He didn't like thinking about it, and Warburton had probably told her already anyway. As he finished, he folded the dark-stained towels and stuffed them in his pocket. Wow, you're like a dead Captain America. You know, you can stop saying dead. Oh, is deceased better? Israel gave her a pointed look. Sorry, it's just bizarre. The lunch meat seems to have fixed you up, though. You look like you again. He nodded. In truth, the hunger was still prickling at him, but it was at a much more tolerable level now. Wish I could say the same for you. He gestured at her face and said, Who did that to you? Aaron touched her face. In all the excitement, she'd forgotten about her own bruises. Oh, this? It's nothing. Israel popped the last bit of pastrami into his mouth and settled back against the column directly opposite Aaron's. Bullshit. What happened to you, Aaron? So, without really intending to, she told him. She told him about being born to a drug-addicted prostitute. She told him about the parade of men who had come through her mother's life and the things she'd seen them do to her mother and the places she'd hidden while it happened. She talked about her big brother Tico and the things that had happened to him when he tried to protect his mom and her and the way he had changed one day in his early teens. She told him about finding her mother's body after she'd overdosed and how Tico and she had gone on the run to stay out of the foster system. She told him how Tico would dress her like a teenage slut, a Lolita, he called it, so she could lure men in and he could hit them with a pipe and take their money. When she got to the first time Tico had forced himself on her, saying she owed him for taking care of them, Israel's face grew dark with anger. Still, she kept talking. There were times when she wanted to stop, but it was the first time she had ever talked about it, and 
It was like a lake finally shattering the cracks in an old dam. She told him how Tico had started pimping her out and about the family motto. When she got to the part about her awakening finally kicking in, she told him all of that, too. She didn't hold anything back, not even the details of her last meeting with Tico. She told him everything right up until the time she had showed up in the parking lot. She wasn't sure at what point the tears had started, but by the time she was finished, they were falling like rain. Israel sat and listened. He was unnaturally still until he rose and handed her the last of the clean dish towels. He stood next to her and stared out over the city. Downtown Atlanta wasn't choked with skyscrapers like Chicago. It was spread out and broken up by interstates and highways that formed a kind of a pattern in the urban carpet. As it grew later in the day, lights were already beginning to show here and there. The sun was creeping toward the horizon and painting the sky a brilliant, fiery orange. You really saved all those girls? Israel asked. Aaron rose and stood next to him. I guess, she said. You really didn't have to do that. I know, right, she said with a sniffle. It's just that there was this nagging voice in my head that kept telling me that isn't what a good person would do. Pain in the ass, really. A smile flashed across Israel's face. Then, more somber, he said, about what happened with your brother. Yeah, look, I understand if you want me to get out of your life. I can take you, you did what you had to do, Aaron. I can't imagine, literally cannot imagine what it was like to live with that. I can't, and frankly, it breaks my heart to think that you had to. Aaron cast her eyes down and said, I'm not looking for a pity party, Israel. Well, tough, because I'm sorry you had to live that way. You were a victim, and you fought back when you had the power to. I will never begrudge you that or blame you for what happened. What you did for those girls makes me proud to call you my friend. She looked up, fresh tears in her eyes. So, yeah, friends then? Yeah, we started this together, and we'll see it through together. I want us each to make a promise to the other, though, right now. What? We have to keep each other in check. Aaron, the things we can do are terrifying. We can't just run around doing whatever we want to whomever we want just because we're able to. It's like carrying a gun. We should only use it if we have to, if there's not another way. We can't let ourselves become the people who create victims, and I'm afraid it would be stupidly easy to do that now. Aaron nodded. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, what, a promise to give the other a swift kick in the butt if we get too crazy? Pretty much. You in? Aaron nodded, totally. Atlanta was lighting up below them, a blanket of lights twinkling in the fading day. The breeze picked up and grew cool, but they somehow found solace in its chill whisper. We're still victims, though, you know, Aaron said. Israel looked a question at her. Look, I love these new things I can do, but I didn't choose them. Those progeny dicks are the ones who did this to us. I keep thinking about that place we woke up in. Whatever they were doing there was just fucking wrong, Izzy. 
It makes the guys I took on look like playground bullies. You said that victims fight back when they get the power to. I'd say we have that. Sure, I suppose, but it takes more than that to go up against the kind of power you're talking about. These people screw with the government on a regular basis. I don't care how tough we are, we simply don't have the resources we need to go against that. It'd be like the two of us trying to hold back a tidal wave. It's just too big. I know. I figure Warburton might have some ideas about that. Israel gave her his best mock-surprised expression. You want to work for Olivia? Forget teleportation, that's the truly miraculous thing. Yeah, well, I want to hit the progeny back for doing whatever the hell it was they were doing. Warburton can help with that. She's a means to an end. It's either that or sit up here whining about my shitty childhood. Are you sure about this? This isn't the kind of thing you do and then just walk away from. It's not the kind of thing that's ever truly finished. Besides that, I'm not sure the DGRI guys will be so down with that plan. We can burn that bridge when we come to it. Thing is, we need to always watch each other's backs. If it even smells like they're going to try and lock us up, we bounce. As plans go, he said, it's not the worst, I guess. I would like to see if Allison could help me understand what's happened to me. Ruining the progeny's day doesn't sound bad either. It can't be worse than living on the run like this. Let's do it. Cool, Aaron said, turning her eyes back to the city. Israel nodded. So, he said with a grin, you want to be a su- If you say superhero, I will throw you off this fucking roof, I swear to God. Well, that's my point. You keep taking us to rooftops. It's all very Batman. It's a long way down, Israel. The grin broke into a laugh. All right, where do you want to start? Aaron pulled a heavy-cased smartphone from her pocket. Know anybody who can hack a phone? Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sorceress as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com, where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Cause we warriors. Cause we warriors. Let's go.